Welcome back to Alien Minute. Alien Minute is the daily podcast that breaks down the 1987 film Aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 68, which begins with Gorman getting knocked out by falling boxes and ends with Ripley bringing the APC to a halt. And if you're like, hey... Who are these guys in my Alien podcast? Well, we're Kyle and Brady from Pele Media. You may recognize our voices from such other podcasts as Goonies Minute, Jurassic Park Minute, or even Ghostbusters Minute. And John has asked us to come on and fill in for a couple of weeks, and we jumped at the chance because we love Alien, and we love this film as well, Aliens. It's a fantastic film. And uh, yeah, we John gave us some really cool minutes to talk about here. This is like a lot of action, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the defining uh, sets of uh, the 10-minute stretches in, in the film, uh, in, in the actual film. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, at the beginning of this, we see Gorman struck in the head with falling boxes, and he gets knocked out completely. He's uh, We don't really see him again until his kind of last few minutes in the film, do we? No, no, no. There's really not a whole lot that he uh, he could be bringing to the story, I guess. But I, it's I like, funny because... I really like the character go- of Gorman. I like uh, flawed characters. Especially mm-hmm. people who are supposed to have all the answers and supposed to be the most competent and do all the things, and uh, and he doesn't have that. You know, I think Dallas is one of my is one of the more interesting characters in the first film because you think that this is going to be the hero. He's going to you know be the guy to save everything, and he just he's in over his head. He doesn't really know what to do, and that ju- that yeah. just sort of ups the uh, ups the stakes. Who is going to come in here? Who is going to save the day? Yeah, and it's funny because Gorman is one of the characters with the best arcs in the entire film. And he's not even in half the film. He's like unconscious for, it, you know, yeah. after this scene right here. So we kind of get him being like kind of a coward and then he gets knocked out. And when he finally comes to, he does kind of have that self-realization moment where he needs to kind of stand up and he, he does go out like a boss. But before that, he's definitely part of the problem, not it, part of the solution. It's interesting that uh, here I am going back to Jurassic Park. Um, you know, Ian Malcolm, the Jeff Goldblum character kind of, I don't know. He's injured halfway through the movie or so, or a little bit before that. And you don't see him that much anymore. And he's someone who was uh, kind of a pivotal part of the story up until that point. And he does kind of come back in and start helping solve the, you know, situation later on. And I don't know. It kind of mirrors the Gorman thing. You know, Mm -hmm. he's not so much a coward or anything like Gorman is. I I don't want to call Gorman a coward, but somebody who's got a lot of incompetence. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to kind of see a parallel there. You know, there's a lot of parallels between Jurassic Park and Aliens now that you say it. In fact, structurally, they have a lot in common. You know, we kind of get the the, the the themes of kind of like, you know, respecting powers that you can't completely comprehend. And in the middle of the movie is, I think this is kind of a structure that Aliens really perfected and a lot of movies have been ripping off since then. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that Jurassic Park necessarily ripped it off, but it kind of followed a lot of the same stuff is we get that big action sequence in the middle that kind of breaks everybody up or tears our characters down. And then they're spent in kind of a feral uh, survivalist situation for the rest of the film. And the last like third of both of these films is like a nonstop action sequence as well. You know, when the aliens come and cut off the power in aliens, the rest of the movie is just chase. And in Jurassic Park, uh, when the characters start to get back together and the raptors are let out of their pen, the rest of the movie is just chase. So the last thirds of these films are very much closely together. And I think your um, observation about uh, Ian Malcolm and Gorman is very astute, that they're characters that kind of like get taken out and then they spend a lot of the movie unconscious or off screen and then they come back at the end to kind of like help in yeah. you know, the ending of everything. You know, and also uh, some people might not know, James Cameron was lobbying to direct Jurassic Park and... A couple of years ago, he said that his idea was going to be very close to aliens, except you replace the aliens with dinosaurs. Yeah. So, 
That's and interesting. Yeah, Very interesting. That's how that would have, yeah. Yeah. How I'm that wondering if some out. of that uh, version of what he pitched kind of ended up in the final thing. But, you know, it, Jurassic Park does, uh, you know, stray away from a lot of stuff that happened in its book as well, its source material. And I think it kind of copies what Aliens did uh, to great effect because I, I'm i not saying it, it, it ripped it off at all because they're very different tonally. Uh, they're tonally, they're very different films, but they're both uh, both excellent roller coaster rides, if you will. You know, Jurassic Park is also 40 miles of rough road, I think, as someone would yeah. say. But uh, so here. In, so, uh, in this minute, 68, we have Hicks coming in and showing a little bit more personality. Uh, yeah. His character is a, kind of a slow build. He, you know, is mysterious. When we start off, you're supposed to notice that there's something different about this guy than the rest of the Marines. And that's something to be taking an interest in. And we start to see here when he's calming down, he's calming Ripley down and telling her, you know, take it easy, slow down. You can slow down the APC. We're out of there. Uh, he, there is some kind of connection between he and Ripley that we're, that we're discovering. And yeah. you know that that's for a purpose and that's going to come back in at some point later. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, so you really start to see that kind of being displayed here with his sincerity, his, you know, the fact that he's being a little more compassionate than anybody else towards Ripley. Yeah. They make a good team together too. And, you know, there was that version of Alien 3, I think, uh, in one script where it was more Hicks than it was Ripley. And you could kind of see a world where he took over as the main character in the film. And it could be very interesting. Um, I think that. Ripley's journey is definitely defined better by Hicks dying and not being a, a factor in Alien 3. Uh, but uh, there is a part of me that really wishes that Hicks's story would have continued in one way or another in a non-video game form. Before, but, uh, yeah, before we cut off Minute 68 today, I do want to talk a little bit about the Aliens 2 idea that uh, was recently ditched. But um, keep going. Yeah, totally. Uh, so we get the uh, model APC pulling out, which I think looks fantastic. And I wouldn't realize that it was a model at all if it weren't for the size of the flames on the outside of the APC. Yeah. They look a little bit big, but you don't get a lot of it in there. In fact, you won't really even notice it until you watch this movie for like the thousandth time that, oh, wait, that fire is a little bit big in comparison to everything that's going on around it. The flames are a little bit, you know, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I do. Like, it's, yeah, it fires one of those things that you can't miniaturize, kind of like water. Exactly. So. But again, you know, in just in James Cameron's genius, they just keep it to a minimum on screen. You wouldn't notice it unless you were pausing it to do this to cover this film in a minute by minute format. And it's actually it's immediately juxtaposed with a full scale version of the APC that has, uh, you know, fire on the outside of it uh, that your mind doesn't connect the two things. You're like, okay, you know, it's, it's just the APC rolling through and we get this actually like really cool, like low angle shot of the APC and the majority of the frame is taken up with kind of it's uh, you know, like crumpled up front where Ripley drove it through the wall to rescue everybody. But, uh, uh, we we get the uh, very uh, very cool scene of the alien the xenomorph jumping on top of the APC and you know trying to grab uh, Ripley through the window of it and she of course in her uh, brilliant way of uh, you know destroy uh, of weaponizing anything that she can find around her just hits the brakes and runs over the xenomorph and I have to say this minute is filled with I think some of the best foley work in the film and some of the worst foley work in the film because the sound effect of the alien getting crushed by the tires of the APC is like so completely satisfying you know <laughs> yeah it kind of reminds me of uh, you know something you and I uh, live in Louisiana and a lot of people don't know this but Louisiana uh, is kind of like Australia in the way that everything around there is trying to kill you all the time we have a lot of alligators yeah. and snakes and Truly, the worst thing you can find around there, the gigantic insects that we have in Louisiana. Yeah, oh, being my back door of, the, of my house is infested with black, uh, I guess, brown widows. 
It's, yeah, yeah. You have brown widows, a brown recluse, black widows around your house, and then I have a couple of oak trees in my yard, which are infested with cockroaches, uh, which occasionally try to make their way into the house uh, in the middle of night. And from the very first time I saw this film, like in 1990 to now, just that scene where Ripley runs over the uh, xenomorph reminds me of in the middle of the night when I get up to go to the restroom or get a midnight snack and there's like a roach somewhere and have to like slap it with a shoe and it just has the exact same sound effect. So every time she runs over that xenomorph, it's just like, you know, the the idea that these things are like giant bugs kind of like comes uh, back in. The slime that is produced when you crush one of these things is also kind of disgustingly reminiscent, but it totally is. And I didn't think about this until I was watching this minute. I, when, she eventually like has to stop the ABC. I'm wondering if some of the acid blood from the alien took out part of the brake system because Hicks tells her at the end of this minute that she's hmm. just grinding metal on metal. And I'm wondering if part of that was taken out by the acid. You never know. Yeah, possibly, possibly. But then we get uh, what I talked about in some of the Foley, which I do not like at all, which it sounds very tinny and very kind of like uh, digitally, there's like digital artifacts in it, you know, like the sound of the, it always takes me out of the moment when I'm watching this film. And of course, it's different watching it now, and you know, a, on Blu-ray say, yeah. and a, yeah, in like a five-point-one surround sound setup, as you can really make out how bad that audio of the metal sounds. And I, I don't know if just back in the day they didn't have a good way to recreate that or, or what was going on. We do know the post-production on this film was actually like a real rapid kind of like wrap-up, and it's almost a miracle that this, this film arrived on time when it did. But I always felt that a shortcut was made in the sound of that of that uh, metallic kind of like banging on the outside. It just sounds kind of cheap to me, but you know, in a film that's got some of the best Foley work I've ever heard in my life, it's I'm willing to let that little thing go, but talking about it in a, you know, minute by minute format, it sounds like a sound effect out of uh, doom or something like that, rather than a, you know, a triple a uh, action film. But uh, yeah, that's uh we see Ripley here at the end too, when Hicks is kind of trying to get her to, to stop the APC is she's kind of gone from her full blown like hero mode to just, she's running on fumes and emotion at that point when the APC finally does break out of the, of terraforming uh, facility and is on the LV four, two, six planet surface. Uh, Hicks is just kind of like, Hey, you know, you can slow down, you can slow down. And she's like, not even responding to him. You know, she's just like in full blown uh, survivalist, get out of that situation mode. And I didn't notice that because, you know, Ripley seems like such a strong figure that this is a rare well, not a rare, but one of those moments where she's actually showing her humanity and showing kind of her frailty and just, uh, you know, her psyche is kind of breaking down at that point. But uh, that's actually kind of everything that I have for minute number 68. You mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk about Aliens 2. you want to go ahead and talk about that now? Uh, yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, and I'm sure listen, all listeners of the show probably do, uh, director Neil Bloomkamp of District 9 fame uh, had an idea for a follow-up to Aliens that would have sort of written off Alien 3 an alien resurrection. And, you know, whereas I would love to see that, you know, the continuing adventure, or, you know, I don't know, a follow-up, a, a little bit more lighthearted follow-up to the Ripley character and Newt and Hicks than Alien 3 gave us. Uh, you know, there's just something wrong in that. You, you, you can't just go and say like, okay, well, this movie that I didn't like and nobody else liked didn't happen. And I love Alien 3. I'm one of those people who you know, is really on board with that film. I, I think one of the great things of the Alien film franchise is how different they all are and how polarizing they all are in terms of their fan base. It's, it makes it kind of, it makes it an interesting argument. Uh, you know, each of these films had a director come in who had just such a unique vision and was going to do something new. Uh, and Neil Bloomkamp probably would have done that while living within 
the look and the feel of Aliens, what James Cameron had already set up. So there was some interesting stuff going into it. Uh, and I can't really remember the exact reasons why it was ditched. Uh, but, you know, it was. And Yeah, it, it's all a matters. lot of studio politicking, I think. It sounds to me like this film was pitched. It's really funny because this film, the idea for it came out like a couple of days before... Uh, what was that last Bloom Camp film? I can't even think about it. Uh, it wasn't Elysium. Uh, yeah, Chappie. Okay, here's the thing. I think Neil Bloomcamp is brilliant in the way that he's able to pull from different uh, sources or inspirations and create something kind of new. Chappie to me was just Robocop and Short Circuit slapped together in his kind of like South African vibe, and it looked very original, and I think the effects on it were great. However, I didn't come out of that film with any sort of satisfaction whatsoever. I was like, what the hell am I watching? Why is Dare Antwoord in this movie as like characters that they're themselves, but they're not themselves? And ultimately, at the end of it, I was kind of like, I, I don't I think that Bloomcamp should really be a, like a, a, an idea guy, a guy that comes in and says, like, here's an idea for a film. Here's some amazing looking uh, special effects. And, you know, kind of like he should be running the premier art studio in Hollywood. But as far as like screenwriting and directing go, I, I don't know that I have a lot of faith in him. And when he comes along and says, hey, I'm a big fan of aliens. I'd like to, you know, take my stab at the franchise as well. Uh then, you know, there's something interesting in that, definitely. And I see why a lot of people got excited about that. Now, the problem is Ridley Scott is one of the few directors in Hollywood that can walk into a Fox boardroom and get pretty much any film made that he wants to get made. The guy has that much stroke and clout, and he still has that. So when you come into somebody else's territory and you say, like, hey, I want to be involved in this franchise as well, then the studio politics get involved. From what I understand was the case, there was never a full script for this film. There was just some artwork and maybe a 10-page kind of like draft of what he wanted to do. And, of course, that makes sense because when you're in the Director's Guild, or excuse me, the Screenwriter's Guild, you don't go out there and write a full script unless you're getting paid for it because, you know, there's a lot of union rules involved. And also, you, like the Joker would say in The Dark Knight, if you're good at something, you know, you you don't want to do it unless you're getting paid for it. So um, I think that... That came in. Ridley Scott had an idea of what he wanted to do with it, and then politics played a part in that. So I don't know if that film will ever get made, but here's what I would like to see, ideally, and I don't think this is going to happen. I would like to see the David arc finished, and then we jump to a Ripley-less, Hicks-less, continued-in-the-canonical timeline, Neil Blomkamp take on what he wanted to do with Alien taking place in that same universe with the established canon, with the established rules, I would like to see what he would like to do uh, with his team to make an alien film. I think there could be something very cool in that. You know, do not want anything that has happened to be rewritten historically. Right. You know? That's And I, I don't think it will ever happen because the whole premise behind the whole thing was Ripley. And Sigourney Weaver, yeah, Sigourney Weaver even said, like, we want to give Rip, the Ripley character a proper ending. Yeah. Hey. Come on. How man. many proper we, innings has she had at this point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you, you can't just do that. You can't just write it off because you didn't like it. And there's a lot to be unhappy about with Alien 3 uh, in the sense that it's just so bleak and so dark. One of the things I like most about it. But um, I don't know. Maybe go. I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, it's an interesting subject, interesting topic, but I'm glad that it didn't happen because it just would have. You, you just can't do that to a movie just because you yeah. don't like it. But. You know, and I think Neil kind of got to make the film that he was trying to make, too, with his Oat Studio now, which is a very cool idea that he's working with with Steam. 
uh, in kind of releasing these experimental short films. And I'm glad he has created an environment where he can do that. And it's very cool. Like you go in and you can buy like the assets that they use to make these films and like make your own sequel to Raka or some of the other stuff he's done. And I think I would like to see him uh, branch out in that because I think that's very interesting. And I think honestly, you know, the future of film is just kind of in question. It's like what audiences want and maybe they want short form stuff that is digestible in like a YouTube type format rather than they would like to go in and see, you know, a three hour long film that could fall apart, you know, if, if stretched out over for that long, that concept stretched out for that period of time. But it seems like Raka actually had a lot of the ideas that he was going to be using in uh, his version of Alien to Aliens 2. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would like to see the guy go in and and really try it if he's passionate about it, but I, I want him to play within the confines of the canonical universe that are created. I don't want to see Ripley and Hicks back from the dead because, you know, being a fan of Game of Thrones, sometimes I understand that characters are really only defined by their death, and I think that the Alien 3 is such a mean film and having a character like Hicks killed is a lot like, you know, having some of the characters you love in Game of Thrones just kind of like killed out of nowhere. It kind of like shows the stark harshness of that universe and Alien is one of those universes. And uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I also agree. Like Alien 3 shouldn't go anywhere. It's a film that it doesn't, it, it's not playing nice with you and it's not asking you to like it. It's just like, hey, here's this story that wraps everything up and you just kind of have to accept it. So, um yeah, that's that is a tangent and a half on yeah, the aliens, but uh, I think this minute number sixty-eight. Uh, there's a you know some cool stuff going on here, but there's not enough to really you know talk about for like forty-five minutes at length. So that's kind of our take on on aliens too, and and uh, what we could be seeing in there. So uh, I'm sure we'll get some feedback on the Facebook group about that. But that's kind of, you know, kind of our thoughts on it. So we got anything else for minute number sixty-eight, Brady? No, that's it for me. That is it for me as well, folks. We'll be back tomorrow for minute number 69. Again, like I said, we're, you got us for two weeks here, and I really hope you enjoy uh, what we're bringing to it because we've enjoyed talking about it a lot. So, all right, dude, let's go ahead and get out of here, and we will be back again tomorrow with minute number 69. If you have liked what you have heard here today, please do check out our podcasts. They are Ghostbusters Minute, Jurassic Park Minute, and Goonies Minute. And if you're into sports, we have a sports podcast called Undrafted. Those all fall under the Pele Media family of podcasts. And again, we do want to thank John and Mitch for having us on here to chat about aliens today. So, all right, Brady, let's go ahead and get out of here, folks. Thank you so much. We will see you again tomorrow on Thursday for minute number 69. Take care.